Well, we're going to be talking about stimming today. We're going to be talking about how it shows up in our lives as late identified autistic, sort of how do we reclaim a little bit of that in our life? Because it is an amazing resource to have. It helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. It helps with my high speed ADHD energy power plant. It really helps sort of focus some of that fancy energy that my body has so that I can concentrate on what somebody's saying or what I'm reading or what I'm doing. Hi, I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are, what you love, creating balance, and being the leader and creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream. We say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Ubuntu. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. This is the last in the Back to School series, and I'm super excited because I'm sharing my friend Mar Rose from Sassy Autistic Pineapple Girl with you today. Mara reached out and we, I'm, I did some introductions for a STEM video that she did. And she reached out to the community and had everybody send in videos of what stemming looked like for them, what they did to STEM. And Mara put together an incredible presentation on stemming and stemming techniques in the classroom and how to integrate them. This was such an amazing talk. And I love what she shared so much that I asked her and invited her to come on the show and share it because If you're autistic and you're late identified, you've probably been doing this your whole life. You just didn't know what it was, or you learned to do it in ways like me that wasn't so overt. You know, you're a little more on the on the down low with your stemming. Well, Mara and I want to share with you some whole new ways to think about stemming to help new students and teachers in the classroom now on how to integrate stemming, how to embrace stemming and use it for the amazing thing and tool that it is. It's called self-stimulatory behaviors. However, I call them self-stimulatory actions because that's what they are. They're actions. Yeah, sure, it's a behavior, but it's more of an action. It's a tool, not like a behavior type thing. So I don't know, maybe that's just my own personal feeling on the word behavior, but that's just me. (laughs) I love it. Are you with me on that one, Mara? Yes, I love that. So Mara, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I am too, because I've been trying to get you on this show for like a (laughs) year. (laughs) I know, and I'm finally ready to be like, finally able and ready to be here. And I'm so happy to be here finally. Well, not only am I excited that you're here, I'm excited that you're here, here, because you had a tough Mm -hmm. summer. You had a pretty big summer and one where my heart dropped and hit the floor kind of summer Mm because it was touch and go. So I I think that having you here for me and having you here for everybody who knows you is a really big deal. (laughs) Like not just the you're ready kind of thing, but it's the you're here and can be here. And for me, that's really important because mm-hmm. I dearly love you. <laughs> I love you too. And it was a rough start to the summer, but like after all that happened, like it's honestly been such an incredible summer. There's been so much growth that has happened and I've learned so much from that hor- horrible, horrific experience. So 
I am really glad to be here. Me too. So we're just going to celebrate. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so Mara, for everybody that hasn't met you yet, and those of you who are just meeting Mara today, please be sure if you're on Instagram to go follow her account at Sassy Autistic Pineapple Girl. And I'll have all the links to track her down and find her and connect with her down in the show notes below. But Mara, tell us and share with everybody what your autism story is. How did autism come into your world? What is it to you? Okay, yeah. So I just want to let you guys know that I am using some note cards. I have a little bit of a script. Um, so I hope that's okay. So if you see me not looking directly at the screen, that's why. Um, but I am 30 years old and I'm autistic. I'm ADHD and I have an auditory processing disorder. Um, I was diagnosed in May of 2020, I think. Yeah, because I believe it was um, September of 2020 when I joined the Instagram community and I made my first like official post. Um, the backstory to how I discovered that I'm autistic, ADHD, and have an auditory processing disorder, um, it all begins with my son, Bentley. Our journey is heavily tied. So in order um, to tell my story, I have to also tell a bit of his. So when he was five, um, he got a very rushed ADHD diagnosis. Um, I knew in my heart <laughs> that it wasn't a complete diagnosis. Um, it definitely checked some of the boxes, but not all of them. Still, there was like this other part to him that I couldn't explain, but I wildly related to. Um, I would do endless amounts of research. Um, I couldn't find anything that fit those like missing parts. And every time I would read something about autism online, I'd read it and it didn't seem like anything really matched to my son's experiences. Um, well, maybe there would be like a, like a couple of traits that would like be similar, but it wasn't enough to compel me to believe that my son was autistic. So for about four years after his ADHD diagnosis, um, you know, life went by with no other answers and things just kept getting harder for him, um, especially in school, um, and then he made two really good friends that were autistic. And I became really close with one of the moms who's also autistic. And I remember her telling me so many times, she said, Mara, you and Bentley, you're definitely autistic. You need to go get evaluated and get that sorted out. But the thought of that just like really completely like overwhelmed me. And I didn't really believe her. But it's really funny because her and I were very similar, even though we're all so different. And Bentley and the two autistic kids that he was friends with, you know, they're actually really similar, but they're also different. Um, it was just really confusing for me at the time. Um, but anyways, as time went on and things got harder for my son, I decided it was time to try again. Um, except this time, we I wanted to do a full um, and complete uh, reevaluation of everything, ADHD, autism, the works. Um, so as I'm sitting in this intake process and answering these questions from the evaluator, 
I'm completely losing my, my mind. <laughs> um, I can barely even focus on answering the questions for my son because every question that's being asked is like a punch to my butt. Um, at one point I got super emotional and I just remember saying like, no, like this can't be what autism is because this, this is me. Like, there's just no way. Like, I remember I had to like, even step out of the room and take like a few minutes to process it because and collect myself so that I could focus on like answering the questions for Bentley. But I remember her telling me that after we got Bentley like um, evaluated that we could chat more about me. Um, his evaluator is now my therapist, <laughs> but she didn't diagnose me. So my, after my son got his diagnosis, um, which he got his first, um, he's autistic and ADHD. Um, I then started seeing his evaluator for therapy because I really wanted to make sure that, uh, that this wasn't just um, childhood trauma and abuse that was, you know, taking play in my life. So after working with her and going through all of the things, she told me that I've definitely been through a lot of trauma and abuse and, you know, have a lot of healing to do, but um, she didn't think that that was all that was there. And she strongly believed that I needed to be evaluated. So she referred me to uh, be evaluated and um, that was a really bumpy journey, but I'm not going to get into all of that because that was kind of, a mess, but obviously I got my diagnosis. Um, I do want to say that I'm extremely passionate about education and helping to make sure that, you know, autistic, neurodivergent, and disabled children have access to a fair and appropriate education. Um, my passion comes from my own struggles in school. Uh, growing up, I often thought that I was unteachable and unintelligent. I've also gained a lot of knowledge and insight in advocating for my son in this, like in the school system. It's been a really, really rough journey, but it's truly given me some of the best insight into where I can, you know, make change. And as I've went through my college studies, I've gotten to really think about the ways that I can further educate others and impact the education system. One of the many things that I found myself passionate about speaking on and educating others on is the importance of allowing the uh, or allowing autistic and neurodivergent students to stem freely in a classroom environment. Not only do I want to uh, say that autistic and neurodivergent students should be allowed to stem, but it's important to truly educate, um, you know, teachers and educators. Um, on why it's so extremely crucial. So my heart of reaching other teachers and administrators has been to present um, this in a way that highlights how extremely important stimming is for autistic and neurodivergent students, but also how beneficial stimming can be for all students, um, no matter their neurotype. And so that, I guess that that's why we're here today. Um, so, most yeah. <laughs> definitely, 
because it's not just neurodistinct students who STEM. It's the right. human population. We all do it. And you've got a really great share for that. But Mara, I think that it's really important because there's so many of us that are like you and I that, mm-hmm. that come to our autism identification through our children. And, yeah. you know, reading through those questions as the mom, all I could, I remember having a similar experience and all I could think was, that's me. I do that. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I wasn't as quick for the penny to drop as it was for you. It took me a little longer to kind of process through that. But, you know, it, and I think that's just such a big part of it is that once we have gone, okay, and then we, we take care of ourselves, but we're usually kind of like you, it was like, I focus on my child first. Cause it's like, well, if I missed all of this, I got to make sure my kid doesn't miss any of this. And yeah. then one of the biggest challenges, and I know you and I both talked to Aaron Wright on this over the course of, you know, our, our engagement and and things that Aaron shares on his channel, which if you guys are parents and really looking for some IEP insight type things, Aaron does a really great job of that really great advocate in that. And I'll read stuff and it's just like, Oh my gosh. I mean, I just, the IEP meetings were just like, you wanted to pull your hair out and you at some points just wanted to go, are you kidding me? How stupid are you people? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) it's just like you're hurting my child you're not helping my child and you know the no child left behind was probably the worst thing that ever happened to my child because he was then forced to be in a classroom with everyone else and getting bullied and teased and you know I had one of his his teachers who was a a good friend of mine and I was like "I, I don't know what else to do I was like you know have you got any ideas, any insights? And he said, I'm just going to tell you how it is. Carol Jean, he said, he's just normal enough that he fits in. So nobody thinks that he's one of the other kids, that he's a different kid. But when he does something that is different, it stands out so much more than if they had already assigned the fact that he was one of the different kids. And I just remember thinking, that is a damn shame. Yeah. Like how soul crushing is that? Cause I know I'm the different kid and I know that that's been me. I've just, I've been able to fit in just enough. But when I do something that's really different, it's just like 10 times a million worse because people are like, wait a minute, that's not the box I put you in. Yes, exactly. And I think that that happens with stemming and I think that happens in our classroom. So I'm really excited about you sharing this today. So I'm going to pull up this amazing presentation that Mara has. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, you're going to get to see this. If you are listening on the podcast, um, if it's okay with Mara, I will have this as a slide pack that you can like look at the images if you wanted to be able to see what we were talking about today. Would that be okay, Mara? Absolutely. Okay. And we'll make sure your name's on it so that if anybody wants to reuse it, you're getting credit for your work. Okay. Awesome. That's important. We work very hard and what we do takes 10 million times more spoons than everybody else. So we want to make sure that we are acknowledged (laughs) for our hard work. (laughs) Yes. Mara, start with some of these really cool things. Like I want people to know, like what's stemming? Like what would that look like in my life? Well, first of all, I just want to explain that um, 
I want to explain what mindful stimming is, which is a term that I've like that I feel like I've developed. Um, so I feel like people sit like we've talked about people stim every single day without without realizing it, whether you're no matter what your neurotype is. Um, we do it for various reasons. Um, so it's just that for us, autistic and neurodivergent people, um, stimming is repetitive and it's crucial. Um, so mindful stimming um, comes in when you're starting to like intentionally practice stimming, which is. Oh, I love yeah. that. Mindful stimming is the intentional practice of stimming. Yes. So that's, oh, what, I, so that's good. what I'm saying should take place in classrooms. And that's kind of like what my idea was for this. This is why I've created um, this presentation. That's um, that's kind of like where my mind was going um, with this. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I am saying that autistic and neurodivergent sh students shouldn't be allowed to stem individually um, because um, you know, just because they may be, um, doing practicing mindful stimming together as a classroom doesn't mean that that should take away the individual stimming because, um, every, every student should still be able to do that, um, no matter, in, in, in addition to the classroom stimming. So, um, I love that. So the mindful stimming is an intentional shift in the classroom where you're normalizing and setting aside time to say, this is an action. This is a tool and a resource that we're using. And we're intentionally channeling. That. That's okay. We're intentionally channeling that physical energy yes. in this time. And then also this is helping to, to allow you to be able to use this throughout the day. And this is also making it part of the classroom culture. Is that what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. We're making yes, a absolutely. shift in classroom culture, which is the whole point of this back to school series this month, guys. <laughs> if you hadn't yeah. caught on to that yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, Maura, what's the next thing? Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically here on, I don't know if, if you're able to look at this sli slide, um, here, I've just um, just pointed out that, you know, basically everyone stems and that, you know, it's just giving examples of how everyone stems, um, you know, in everyday life, like twirling your hair, or tapping your pencil, um, even chewing on gum um, or pacing back and forth can be stimming. Um, so that was the point of that slide is just to show like how you know, stimming happens in every, everyday life. Um, yep. Even for those people who click their pens, that's a stim. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Even cracking your knuckles is a stim. So, yes. um, and then in this uh, next slide here, I've just explained you know, why, you know, why stimming is important. Um, uh, why, why, why should we care about stimming? And um, so, you know, I've just asked, you know, the people that's, you know, considering um, or looking at this presentation to think back to whenever they were students and they were sitting at their desk for long periods of time with, you know, little to no opportunity to get and move and how that felt. 
um, and just having to focus and force their, you know, sit there and focus. And so, you know, there's a purpose to stemming and there's a reason for it. I mean, I don't know any adults that go to their job, get in their desk and for eight, well, seven and a half hours and 30 minutes for lunch, maybe if you're lucky, um, you get an hour that you have to sit still. Like you're not allowed to get up from your desk. You're not allowed to wiggle. I mean, seriously, if you're an adult, think about your day. Do you move? Do you get up out of your desk? Do you walk around? Do you go to the water cooler? You go to the copy machine. Uh, you walk to somebody else's desk to go have a chat. We are not made to sit still and not wiggle even as adults. So exactly. why would we have this expectation on our little tiny humans who have way more energy and a whole lot less practice in self-control to sit still? Why would we expect that of them to the degree in which we do right now? And I think, Mara, you do such a great job of explaining that. So why is it important to you, Mara? Like, yeah. Why was stimming, why did you even begin to think about this? I mean, what is it that really hit home for you? Well, that's um, because, you know, I'm autistic and ADHD. And I remember, you know, being in school and how hard that was for me and having to suppress, um, you know, stimming and not being allowed to stim freely and just how, overwhelming and hard that was to make it through the day and even just being an adult and um whenever I would go to college like in person just like how hard that was and how much I needed that and then also just having a child who depends on stimming and knowing how much he needs that and how he constantly needs to move and how he just has the hardest time sitting still and staying seated and um just seeing just how difficult that is for him and knowing that that expectation is placed on him every single day and just seeing how like even though teachers they mean well and I know that they're trying to, to teach you know the students and they have a lot to you know to teach and everything and they have a short amount of time and they don't have a lot of help and they don't a lot of them maybe don't have this understanding or this knowledge but um you know, they just expect him to just sit there and, and to not move and, and understand that they don't want him to be like a distraction to anyone else, but they don't understand that that really, really hurts him. And it makes it extremely difficult for him and other students that are like him to do their best and to learn. And he just struggles and he suffers and he falls further and further behind because that's how important stimming is to an autistic and neurodivergent individual. That's how much it can really impact us, you know? I certainly do. And I'm on the other side of that in that I was so conscientious of doing exactly what I was told in the classroom that I was using all of my energy to contain my myself, to be still, to not move, to not fiddle and fidget and all the things that teachers would call it yeah. in order to focus. And I had learned to do it on my legs with my fingers. You know, I would count and I would push my nails into my skin and I would count and I would make a rhythm and a pattern. And I didn't realize that was stimming. 
And I also didn't realize, and maybe this is, this is one of the things that, you know, it shifts back to the, now that you're a late identified autistic adult, especially if you're an adult ADHD or like Mara and I, that you, you think about how much energy you expended holding yourself together in the classroom to meet these expectations when you didn't have an adequate or appropriate outlet and be, be given, like Mark says, be given the allowances that you need to be able to concentrate and focus. I would get home and I would crash for like two or three hours. I was so exhausted because I'd been holding everything together for those eight hours in school. How about you, Mara? Yep. I would either be completely exhausted or I would have severe meltdowns um, because I would just get completely overwhelmed. So if your child or if you, you know, came home with your little gold star in your folder for the day because you, you held it together and followed the rules for the little stop sign or the class dojo, you know, <laughs> if you're one of us, then, you know, on the other side of that, it can look really different. Either you, you didn't come home with the sticker and, and it makes you feel really crappy about yourself because you weren't able to do this, but it's not something that's conducive to how you learn and you need that outlet, but you're not given that allowance. And then there's the others that are like, like me that was holding it together so long because you, you felt like you had to have the star or you weren't worthy. And then you crashed and burn, you have a meltdown or you're just like catatonic and, you know, you end up in burnout in middle school and grade school. And it's just, it sucks. That's why stimming is so important guys. That's why we're talking about it today. Yeah. All right. Maura, loud hands or proud hands, the joy, freedom, and pain of stimming. So what, yeah. what is this? Explain this to me. I love it. This is a really great article. If you have the opportunity to go and read it, you should. Um, so it's, so here I've given a quote from an autistic college student and that picture that's right there that is from the article um and so it's 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 about it's written about their personal experience on the beauty and pain of stimming and the quote is for as long as i can remember i have to move in some way to keep myself calm i tap my fingers against my face bounce my leg up and down make random noises with my mouth and fidget with small toys to keep with me um, and then I said, then the student goes on to talk about how different it feels when they aren't allowed to stim, such as holding still you know, makes my skin crawl and makes me feel like there's lead in my bones. It's unnatural to me. Being forced to hold still makes me more anxious than stimming ever will. Um, I definitely can really relate to that. When I read that, I was just like, oh my gosh, like that is so relatable. Do you feel like you can relate to that, Carol Jean? Oh my gosh. Yes. And what's crazy is like right now in this moment, I hadn't really, you know, thanks Alexa, Thymia. it takes me a while to connect the dots sometimes, <laughs> but it's, it's almost like it is, it's physically like I can think back to sitting in, in mass, like when I was at Catholic school, sitting in mass and having to like, I would jiggle my leg and I would cross my leg and I would fidget with my shoe and all kinds of stuff. And of course, you know, you have to sit still and all this kind of stuff because it's disrespectful. And I'm just like, oh my yeah. God. And it would be physically, like it would make my body feel horrible. And I didn't really, like I knew it, but I didn't connect the two till just now. Yeah. Holy cow. I know. Wow. And, and the, <laughs> the reason why I shared that 
particular article from that college student was because I really wanted the, the, the people that were reading that to understand that, you know, it's not like uh, adults struggle with that as well. And if adults struggle with that, think about how hard, you know, or how much harder that is for a child, you know, to deal with that. So Absolutely. And we're going to make sure we link that article down in the show notes for everybody to check out. Yes. So now, what, how would you describe, like, what is stimming? So stimming is shortened for self-stimulatory behavior, which we already covered that. Um, but we, we said um, we're going to take out behavior. And what did you say and said? A- action. action. I action. love that. So it can consist of repetitive movements and noises. And if you're seeing this, this isn't a picture. It was supposed to be a video of me showing my favorite tactile stem, which is just me doing this with my fingers. That's my favorite go-to stem. I do this whenever I'm going to sleep at night. It helps me take my mind off of things. Um, but it didn't work. <laughs> the video didn't work. So that's okay. We did it live. So, you know. yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's one of mine too. So I love it. I, I do it in my lap all the time. <laughs> I just, I press into my finger, the pads of my finger and it's yes. just like slightly, mm-hmm. and, and I do them at the same time so that they're at the same rate and pace. So I'm touching the same finger on the opposite hand at the same time. Yes. I've gotten to where like, I do it so fast though. Like, it's just like, I don't even know how you're like I... Olympic. you're Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. So Mara, who uses stimming and why do they use it? So other than just like you and me, who uses stimming? I, well, everyone uses stimming. Like I've, like, like I've already said, everyone uses stimming. Um, stimming is something that people do when they feel overwhelmed, anxious, um, when they have excess or pent up energy. And some people even do it when they are, you know, they're happy and they're excited. Um, stimming is a, f- a form of coping um, and self-regulation and self-expression. Um, neuropi- neurotypical people use stimming occasionally while autistic people, uh, autistic and neurodivergent people uh, rely on stimming frequently to get them through everyday life. Well, I think that's a really good um, differentiation just to make there because for us, stimming is a necessary tool and a part of our day. It's a part of our existence. Yes. And it is not in that same way, a necessary part of to, you know, sort of just differentiate. This is a little bit neurotypical, neurotypical people do STEM, but it, it isn't something that is a necessary part of self-regulation. Exactly. And, and and an expression of emotion. Like for me, I happy STEM, like I do my hands, like in a celebration, like quiet clapping um, and just, those types of things. And so, you know, it looks different for each person. I mean, sometimes somebody has something really unique and it's kind of cool, but, you know, just being able to discover what those are for you and how they apply in your life. But to also understand that if you are a neurotypical person and you're like, yeah, I stem, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily meeting the same need that it does for us. Exactly. That's a good explanation, Mara. I, yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. Okay. So if, 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 if I'm not right, please let me know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm trying. You're doing great. <laughs> um, so what are some examples of stems? 
Like we just talked about yeah, a couple so- that we do. So what are some other ones? Just because there are a lot of people out there, especially if you're like me and you're late identified, you're like, I didn't realize that was a stem. Holy cow. First time somebody shared with me that they stemmed by pushing their fingers into their thigh, you know, and kind of counting. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a stem. I do that. I've done that my whole life and didn't even realize it. Yeah. So there are so many different types of stems. And my purpose of sharing this was just, you know, because this is geared towards, you know, you know, anyone, but like um, more so teachers and administrators who were like looking over this. And I wanted them to realize that there's so many different types of stems and there's more than that's listed here. But um, the, the main categories are auditory and vocal stems. Um, so that can be like music and vocal sounds such as humming and snapping, repetitive speech or song lyrics. Um, there's tactile stems, so such as skin rubbing or scratching, hand movements and finger tapping, which is like what we just showed you. Um, there's a uh, visual stem such as staring at objects for long periods of time, you know, hand flapping, uh, lining up objects. There's vestibular stems such as bouncing, spinning, and stem dancing, which I love so much. Um, and stem dancing is a really fun one that like classrooms can do together. Like that's such a great one. Um, and then there's olfactory or taste stems. So smelling things to keep you calm or eating certain foods um, repetitively. I definitely um, love to smell candles. Like that keeps me calm. Like I love, I even have like, um, si- yes. like I keep scented oils with me. Uh, when I go out, I keep like scented oils and like I sniff it um, when it, whenever I smell something that's like unpleasant because I have um, a struggle with um, sensory processing disorder and smell is like a really big one for me. So I always have to have like a candle or a scent or lavender scented oil with me to like kind of, you know, to not smell the bad smells. <laughs> I am so sorry. Josh walked in and he's being bad. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Oh, my Lord. He's making faces at me. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good, though, because, you know, I didn't really, you know, you don't think about this till you start talking about it. I think this is why it's so important, because, like, I have all kinds of sensory things. Um, you know, I keep little things that I smell in my purse. I even have chapstick that smells like um, sugar cookies, because if I go in some place and it smells funky to me, it makes me sick and I have a really sensitive gag reflex. So I'm always doing that. Yeah. I find that yeah. it's like sometimes I crave smelling something because it, it just sort of regulates or calms me down. So I have like peppermint yeah. and lavender and I've got all those kind of things, which is really cool. And then, you know, when you're talking about, um, just olfactory, you know, for taste stems. And sometimes it's a texture thing, right? Like something that you feel on your mouth or on your tongue. So any of these things, guys, just like be open to exploring if, if you've never explored stemming before, because you, you know, didn't know and you had suppressed it for so long because somebody made fun of you sometime in your life. So you never did it again. Just you can even start doing it just in the comfort of your own home, do it in your car, wherever, and just start to feel what it feels like in the difference. Because there is a physical difference that I've experienced for myself. What about you, Mara? Yes, definitely. Like I just had no idea how much I suppress like so much, 
so many of my stems and just being able to explore those and act on them more freely and be more mindful about my stemming has just been so amazing and freeing for me. And it's really helped me in so many ways, helped me with like regulating myself in so many ways. And even though you can't really control meltdowns, it's, it's, it's helped, it's helped that in a lot and a lot, a lot of ways as well. That is wonderful. So what are some of your tips for stemming in the classroom? Like, how do we go about this? How can teachers start to incorporate this and how do they go about setting it up? Yeah. So, um, as I said previously, all students, no matter their neurotype can benefit from teachers implementing stemming into the classroom routine. Um, mindful stimming techniques can teach children how to regulate their bodies um, when they feel overwhelmed, stressed, or are having a hard time focusing. Um, every student um, practicing or participating in stimming um, would create an inclusive classroom where all peers can unite um, in an activity that can help them all have um, more success in school. And I think I have another slide that like tells more in detail about um, somewhere down the line about like how teachers can work on um, creating that environment. We'll so how does how does the mindful stimming work? Um, okay, so there's here's right here's another really great article that we should definitely link. Um, so Time Magazine covered a story about the mindful revolution um, back in 2014. So it's a little outdated, um, but it discusses the popular growth of uh, mindfulness in schools in the Midwest. Um, and it was really interesting because in the article, The Mindful Revolution, it talks about the research that digs deep into the awareness of one's um, sensory experience. Um, their thoughts and their emotions. Um, mindfulness enables us to objectively notice our experience, allowing us to change habitual reactions to wiser, more skillful responses, backed by a rapidly growing volume of neuroscience and research. Um, and then the article goes on to describe how many teachers are using mindfulness techniques to help their students with stress management and focusing in the classroom. So that's a really awesome, really awesome article. And I, feel, I felt like it really applied to what I was sharing here. Um, and it's just really cool to see that there's other schools that are kind of practicing. Like, and like I said, I come up with this mindful, um, you know, mindful stimming technique thing. And then I, then I saw like the mindful revolution, which they're not saying mindful stimming, but just the fact that it's very similar. I was like, wow, like, the fact that other schools are kind of have that same mindset um, and they're going about it and thinking the ver things very similarly. I was like, that's really neat. I think that's fantastic. And I think it's a really important thing to, to be mindful. And that's one of the things that, that we do in, in the mind your autistic brain community is through the unveiling method is part of that is becoming aware of how does something impact you physically, mentally, emotionally, physically, because all of it works together. And if we're not paying attention or we don't know 
that there's a difference. If we don't know there's, you know, all these different types of stimming and how they look and, and then try them out and see how they feel or reflect back to maybe when we've done them before or when we've suppressed them before, how did we feel? And being able to take that layer of awareness and reflection, because, you know, we have thankful Thursday, we have reflection Friday in the group, because that's all about reflecting raises your awareness and an awareness brings you into a whole new place of being able to question and find what works for you best. Right. Yeah. So what, what would stemming, what would mindful stemming look like in real life? Like how, how would people apply this? How would teachers apply this Mara? Yeah. So after um, teachers have done research on stimming, um, then it would be, it's time to share that information with their students. So they could make a PowerPoint presentation like I've done here on what stimming is. Um, maybe find autistic make um, autistic made stimming videos on YouTube because there's so many great ones out there um, and, and show their students, um, educate them because I feel like they should learn from other autistic people, autistic adults. Um, I uh, incorporate it into their everyday routine. So having stimming breaks, maybe like every hour that lasts maybe like three to five minutes or more if possible. Um, engage in some vestibular stim dancing and uh, as a class, allow students to make noises during this time and move freely. Um, let, I think this is really important to let them choose their stims. Like, I don't think that a teacher should try to control what type of stims they do, even when they're doing it as a group. Like, I just don't like the idea of them saying like, hey, we're going to do this type of stim together. Like, I think it's okay to say, to show different types of stims that they, you know, they can do, but not say like, you have to do this type of stim. Um, Cause they should do what feels natural to them. Um, encourage quiet, quiet stimming in their seats between classroom group stim breaks if needed. And this is really important. Um, don't forget to still allow students who have stim breaks written into their IEPs to still have those extra breaks if needed. Um, that should never be taken away just because a, a teacher is choosing to incorporate, you know, stimming into the classroom. Like, yeah, never, never take that out away because um, what's written into the IEP is still really important and needed and necessary. Well, and I think the really important question in that too is to, is that you include the student in that IEP conversation. Because I think that gets left out a whole lot. It's, mm -hmm. you know, hey, are you finding that the amount of breaks that you've got in, is that working right now? Because things change. And if you're not asking the student the questions, because it's their IEP. And if you're not asking your child and again, giving your student the time and the space to answer that question and to even kind of help them answer the question, say, you know, hey, for the rest of this week, just kind of pay attention to if this is enough, if this is working for you, or if it would help if we did it at different times, or, you know, if we added more in and really be open to asking those questions, receiving what our child and our student are telling us, and then helping them to integrate that. Because, you know, part of, part of learning what stimming is and, and just 
anything about ourselves in general is that we're asking a lot of really quality questions. And as the adults, we have to help our children learn to ask those quality questions and not just feel like they have to follow whatever we set out because this is their plan. This is what is helping them be the most productive, not you, not the teachers, but them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I agree. So how, how would you like to see this implemented? And what are some things that, that you'd like to impart before we wrap it up today? Um, I, so I, I just would love to see more, more schools implement this. Um, I would love to, I would love to see, you know, this be implemented into every classroom if possible. I just think that it's so important and it would just be beneficial, like I said, not only to autistic and neurodivergent students, but to neurotypical students as well. Um, and I mean, even outside of school and the classroom, I mean, I just think that this is important for um, adults as well. Um, it's even important in the work environment. And I just think that stimming needs to be normalized. And, you know, this is just one step into normalizing stimming and to creating awareness and understanding and acceptance with it. And, um, you know, it has to start with our kids and our students because they just so desperately need it. And they, they're, they're depending on us to, you know, guide them and to, um, you know, to teach them and to, um, you know, set the example and to, to be leaders. And that's, that's why I'm so passionate about educating others on this topic, because I just know how it felt for me being a student and not being able to do that. And I know how hard it is for my son. And I've seen other kids who, you know, struggle with going to school because they have to suppress stimming and not just stimming, but so many other things. But stimming is just one small thing that, I mean, it's not small, it's big, but just one part of um, school that is just very difficult, but, it, but changing that and, implementing these techniques can just make such a big difference that can really improve the quality of, you know, an autistic and neurodivergent student's education. Absolutely, Mara. And I think that that is such a beautiful way to wrap this up to also make sure that if you are a parent, if you are an educator and you are looking for resources on how to incorporate mindful stemming into your classroom to create a more inclusive and wholehearted approach in your classroom. We're going to have some resources down below. We'll have Mara's slide templates and you can also reach out to Mara and I'll have all of her contact information. So if you need to have any type of presentation at your school or any type of additional information that you might need to help include stemming into your curriculum at your school, please make sure you get in touch with Mara. Also, we're going to have a link to the STEM video that Mara created, which is really fantastic and is a great resource. And we'll have those linked articles below as well. Make sure that you register and don't miss our group discussion. That'll be this Friday at three o'clock. 
This is the last one in the series. We did one back on August the 13th and everybody was so wonderful to show up and really share how classroom environment impacted them and how as late identified autistics, we were starting to see some things that we didn't recognize that had made school really difficult for us. And just sometimes having those awarenesses allow us to let go of those beliefs that we are holding about ourselves and allow us to start to heal from them and recognize that we are amazing just as we are. Mara, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your incredible mindful stimming approach. And I'm so thrilled that this is going to be something that you'll be sharing in schools across the country and the globe. (laughs) Thank you so much. I am so excited because this particular segment is all about stimming. And this week, Not only do we have the amazing Mara Rose from Sassy Autistic Pineapple Girl sharing her mindful stemming method with us, I also have Kai and Joe Simon. They have an incredible company. They are the co-owners of Kaiko Fidgets. And Kai is autistic. He's like us, guys. And But what you're going to love is he has developed an incredible line of stem tools, fidgets that are specifically geared towards the adult, not the kitty, not the cutesy little kind of, you know, all the bright colors. This is like really, really elegant, super sleek and very, very high quality. So Kai, would you mind sharing with, with everybody? Cause I, I love this and and you and your mom and I have have talked and met and our friend Maisie introduced us at uh, autism career pathway. So I was super excited to get together with you guys today. They have sent me this incredible package and we're going to break this down and go over it. Cause we've got a whole segment coming out for self-care in September. And I'm going to share these with you, but today, Kai, would you share with us, like what stimming is to you? I mean, you're, you're still, you're in high school. You know, this is something that you've been aware of your, your whole life. Unlike some of us who were in the dark for 40 years. So like share with me, what is stimming to you and, and why did this come about? How did you start creating these really elegant fidgets? Um, so like at school, I was getting teased a lot. Uh, Cause I, I, when I was uh, younger, I used the more bright, bright colored ones, so like the tangles or whatever. Um, and at school I'd use them and like I got to year five and the kids were like, that's kitty. Um, stop. Why don't you go play with the preps and stuff? Um, and so m- me and my mum uh, decided to make my own fidgets that were more um, adult friendly. So uh, I wasn't getting teased anymore. Um, and so we decided to go for like the um, the medium. Oh, it was a small to start with, but like we went with a bike chain design because it was discreet and um, can fit in your hand. And I used them for um, focusing in class because I had trouble focusing with the teachers in class. Oh, I love that. And, and I'm really excited because I've got one of these really cool bike chain ones that you sent me in this fantastic kit. Oh my gosh. And what I love about it. So like one of the things that I noticed was like, you gave a demonstration of this the other night. And I was really curious because I'm not quite that, that, <laughs> that coordinated to move it around on my fingers like you did, but how are some of the ways that, that you found to to use this that was kind of like you could just do it in your hand discreetly at school that was helping you like so show show me help me out (laughs) on your finger 
Oh yeah. Okay. So that's right. very similar to that one. That action is um, it mimics uh, pen clicking. So if I had a pen in my hand and I was clicking it. Um, so we find we find that most of them like to pen click like this one. Oh, well, I'm a pen clicker, so I'm I get that. Um, you can go like make it into like that and side to side. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna have to work on that one. You'll have to show me that. Okay. Oh, oh, just doing that and moving it is kind of nice. And they're quiet. So you get two on the top and two on the bottom and then push the okay. sides. Two on the top and two on the bottom and then push in the yeah, sides. sides. You are assuming. Okay, I got it. I am not. <laughs> Ooh, very cool. Very cool. And these come in all different sizes because like you had really long ones. So you developed like all of these really cool bike chain fidgets in all these different sizes. And, you know, I, we were talking before we started recording about, cause I was just like coming from an art background, just this whole thing is incredibly well-made. I mean, the quality is just off the charts. I mean, seriously, guys, I have bought, I can't tell you how many of these fidget spinners and this one's quiet. And when I, you know, you said something about it being really quiet and I was like, oh my gosh, you don't hear. It doesn't make that ball bearing sound. And it's so smooth. Like there's no vibration in this. And this is the only fidget spinner that I've ever seen with like built in poppets like this that aren't loud, but they can make a pop if you want them to, but it won't. And it just, and if I pop one fidget in one direction and two in the other and still spin it, there's like barely any change. It's still balanced. Like that's really cool. <laughs> I love that. So Kai, what did you notice? Like when you changed and started bringing your own homemade, you know, custom fidgets to school, what did you notice? I mean, like, how did that make you feel? Did like, did that de-escalate some of that, you know, oh, what are you playing with the brightly colored, you know, thingy for? <sighs> Definitely did because when I first decided to do the fidgets, we decided to not make it a business and just like have them for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to school and all the kids were asking me, oh, where can I buy those? Aha, uh -huh. very cool. Very cool. Because, you know, this was a really great thing. And Mara shares in her, her section of the stemming segment and mindful stemming is she said, everybody stems everybody it doesn't matter what your neurotype is at some point in some way in your life you have a self-stimulatory action it's not just mm -hmm. us we just happen to use it for focus regulation and other things on a consistent daily basis because <laughs> it's how we incorporate it well kai and joanne where can everybody find you guys where can they find your company to go look at these amazing stem fidgets um, we've got a website, which is www.kaiko, so K-A-I-K-O, fidgets.com. So well, I'm going to make sure I have that in the show notes for everybody. <laughs> it actually is a combination of Kai's name and our younger son, Kobe. So Kaiko is actually where it came from. <laughs> oh, it was really very cool. It was really an accidental business. We actually, as Kai just said, it was really, we came about because we were making things for him and then kids at school wanted some. So we took them to your craft markets. And yeah. Then, yeah. And so I just put them on like a side thing. 
Yeah, I, I was doing craft markets with my mum and so we just put a little table next to us so Kai could take them and just develop some social skills and just and we just had no understanding. Like his first market, how many did you sell? Oh, this is like 72 or something. Yeah, like he outsold me and, and very quickly I had to ditch my product because his stuff just took over. <laughs> so, I love it. It was, it was accidental, but really cool because we didn't realize how big the need was. You know, Kai, that's what I really love about the company that you've created. You and your mom together have come t- and, and put together something out of necessity for yourself, but it really meets a need in the bigger community. And I'm one of them. I, I really am. And I want to thank you for what you've done and, and how you do it, because these are not just beautiful pieces of art and beautifully crafted pieces. They are so functional. The quietness, the smoothness, the feel of them. And even some of, we're going to talk about these next month. Oh gosh, guys, there's even something. If you've got to have something kind of rough and scratchy, Ooh, there's some really cool stuff coming up. So make sure you check out this next one and go look on their website, go order some of these beautiful things and help support Kai in his business. Cause this is definitely where we're headed. Cause if you are an autistic person, if you're an autistic ADHD or one of the biggest faces challenges that we face is employment and being able to create a business that is self-sustaining and that we can do without running into chronic burnout is really important. And Kai is doing that. So we want to support you as most in the best way that we can. So guys go out and make sure that if you haven't tried a STEM toy, a STEM tool or a fidget, like I was like really like down the DL with my little covert bracelet that my friend Nancy sent me. This has changed my world. Like this box that they sent me has changed my world and it'll change yours too. So be sure you check it out. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistics life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audi so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.